Welcome to the four-part teaching series, Fivefold Ministry Explained, featuring DeMonte Edmonds. In this series, you'll get an overview of the fivefold ministry and their gifts and function in the body of Christ. And now here's your host, Jeff Tharp. What's going on, everybody? Happy Monday. This is our final episode of the Fivefold Ministry Explained series with DeMonte Edmonds. It's been super, super educational, and um, I'm looking forward to going back over it. Uh, so this is part four of four, you guys. We have reached the finish line of yet another series. Uh, also, again, just a reminder that this is going to be in a playlist. So you can go listen to episodes one through three and now four. So you can also, if someone has questions about fivefold ministry, especially as God is really just pouring out his spirit, he's doing new stuff, man. And, and people are getting awakened to deeper things. People are getting hungry for the power of God. People are experiencing miracles in um, denominations that they don't experience miracles or they're told they're not supposed to or they don't exist, but they're experiencing them. People are getting visitations at night. Um, people are getting words of knowledge. All these things are are part of the fivefold ministry and how it operates. And so it's really exciting to see the, the church awakening to that, that, that true, it's true form, you know, of what God designed it to be. So. This is a great uh, opportunity if you know somebody who uh, speci specifically about uh, apostles and, and prophets, you can actually just copy and paste that whole link to that playlist and you can send it to them. That's a, that's a great, that's like one of the main purposes of this is just to educate people uh, and a lot of times give them the why as to like what they're experiencing. So very exciting, very exciting times that we're in everybody. So we got a whole episode to power through and it's going to be super action packed and I can't wait. I'm, I'm, I'm building up DeMonte. I'm getting him ready. He's getting pumped up. Like, like he's like a boxer going on the ring. He's getting ready. So, um, my guest today, uh, you guys have been, we've been kicking it with him for now four weeks. He's the founder of freedom for the nations. Let's give it up for my guest today. Apostle DeMonte Edmonds. Monte. Jeff, good to be back with you on yeah. set. Glad yeah. to find you. That's right. This is the final bout. This is part four of four. And first episode, we talked about the apostle. Yes. Second episode, we talked about the prophet. Third yes. episode, we talked about the evangelist. Today, we are talking about... The pastors and the teachers. Boom. Now, I feel like these guys are probably the most widely accepted, the most yes. culturally acceptable, even in, in the church. They're the ones that often make people the least uncomfortable. Yes. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and yeah. That's why I grouped them together. You know, yeah. it's easier, I think, to teach on these ones. And, you know, sometimes with the prophet, especially for us that have come out of a uh, traditional backgrounds we don't understand the role of the new testament prophet and then especially for the apostle it's kind of a obscure type of ministry you know because it's multifunctional and it's not just one thing it's kind of obscure and it takes a little bit more work to define we had to do whole episodes on just those uh three in the evangelist yeah. uh, you know and people accept the evangelist but they try to box the evangelist in and so we had to sure. unbox the evangelist and you did a great job as well 
Mm. I was actually laying in the bed thinking about some of the feedback that you said about the evangelist. I was like, wow, he's really good. So you're, you're anointed okay. for the job that you're doing. Hey, I'm going to tell you. Yes. I appreciate it. Yes. I but that. you're right. These two, nobody gets afraid. Nobody gets scared. Nobody gets, you know, spooked out. You don't really hear any uh, doctrinal debates about these offices, uh, but they're very powerful offices. Right. So as you get going, I, I think maybe it'd be great to kind of keep this conversation or this question in mind and then maybe you can kind of pull in from this as topics but the thing that you know because i i said at the top of this series so it's episode one i said that you know we've been operating with a three-fingered hand and in some ways it's been a two and a half finger hand because you know <laughs> there's a lot of trying to kind of box in the evangelist like you were talking about um but as a result, there is a lot of uh, things that might be out of alignment right now. And this is not to condemn any pastor or teacher, but really to go as we've kind of moved the apostle and the prophet, because we can't lock them down, right? We can't fully, you know, they're harder to box in. Um, as a result, we kind of tend to ostracize people that function like that. But as a result, how is the church kind of overcompensated, especially because the teacher and the pastor are still very, very active in the church, uh, the, the easiest to understand, the, the, the most accepted. Uh, I would imagine there might be some stuff that's slightly out of alignment where pastors and teachers have kind of had to, even if it's subconscious, had to kind of overcorrect um yes. to make up for the gap that it's been left as a result of not including the apostle and the prophet so just think about that as you're talking and if you know you can pull in you know some examples or whatever because i'm just really curious so so i actually yeah let's jump <laughs> you know i was ready to fire on that that is a great yeah great great uh, uh point to talk about and when i get to that point can i pull you back in as well because i think that's a I think a lot of people want to hear about this and need to hear about it. Yeah. And I think it's a conversation, a discussion that that needs to be had. Yeah. And yeah. this isn't to like, and I think it's really important to note too, this isn't to like take up the pitchforks and the torches and go after your, your leaders and be like, that's the wrong way to go about this. But I do think as God is doing what he's doing on the earth and um, I'm seeing a lot more people in the church unifying uh under the banner of christ and so i think it's just important to know how this is supposed to function in a healthy way so definitely 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 yeah. and so firstly ephesians talks about god gave gifts to men you know christ first ascended then he ascended and he gave gifts to men and it tells us those gifts he gave some apostles some prophets some evangelists some teachers and some pastors. And you know, I love that word some. That's a very important word because sometimes yeah. when we study this verse, we don't put enough emphasis on the some. Not everyone's an apostle, not everyone's a teacher, not everyone's a prophet, not everyone's a pastor, not everyone's an evangelist, but we all can be believers and signs follow those that believe. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, whether you're called to these offices or not, that's not the big issue. The big issue is, is understanding their function their role and how to relate to them and if you're called to them then you definitely need to understand what is it that you're called to do and what graces are there upon your life but that word some is very important 
I don't know why, Lord. I don't know why, Jeff, but this story is being highlighted to me by the Lord that once there was a church and it was like 30 members and the guest speaker, who I know I won't say his name, said, everyone here that's in the fivefold ministry, I want you to come up and want to pray for you. If it was 30 members, 20 members came up to the front. <laughs> and, and I'm just going to tell you, this sounds pretty rough, but he said, anyone that's not actually called to the fivefold ministry, if you're at this altar, you stay here, in 30 days, you're going to pass away. And only like three people stayed up in front, in front of the church. But the Whoa. worst, <laughs> I mean, this is, I know it's a little rough. You know yeah, it's I mean? gnarly. <laughs> I don't know what God spoke to him. I don't know what God told him. I'm just going to say that's what happened and what was related to me. Yeah. But in their heart of hearts, they knew they were not what they were professing. Because sure. it's just like a military. You don't need 10 generals and, and yeah. one, one, uh, one uh, uh, division. In a company, you only have one captain. You don't need five captains. And mm. so there's a, a spreading of these gifts. There's a, a delegation of these gifts. That's a, a distribution, a strategic distribution of these gifts. And we have to understand that as well, that yeah. all the gifts are important and God distributes them as he wills. Yeah. And he distributes them in perfect order and number. Mm -hmm. Okay, with that being said, we talked about the apostle, we talked about the prophet, we talked about the evangelist. I want to jump into the ministry of the pastor. Okay. When I grew up, the pastor was the most easily recognizable and identifiable ministry. Not only when mm -hmm. I grew up, actually now, it's probably the most easy to recognize and identify. Number one, most of the time a pastor has a brick and mortar church. Secondly, normally their face is on the flyer or on the billboard or on the church hallway or somewhere, and they have a title that says pastor. Uh, number three, they usually have a flock. They have a group of people that identify them as pastor. But looking at this word pastor, we get back into the Greek word poema, and it means shepherd. And so a pastor, is a person that has a shepherding anointing. And I think it's really important that we just talked about the evangelist ministry because the evangelist is often on the opposite end of the spectrum where they'll lead the sheep to water and get them watered, but then they're gonna go and find some new sheep and, and, and lead them into greener pastures through the gospel. Where the, the shepherd wants to stay there with the flock, wants to protect the flock, wants to watch over the flock. And so what really stamps a pastor is having that shepherd's heart, hmm. a heart to be there consistently, frequently with the people that they're called to shepherd. And so oftentimes for an apostle, they may be more mobile. They may be called to different territories or different regions. They may be a shepherd leaders, but those leaders may be spread in different places. Whereas the pastor is more localized. You know, some prophets are very localized, but oftentimes prophets are very mobile. Mm -hmm. And they're depending on their season and their time, God may call them to different territories as well as evangelists. But for the most part, pastors are localized. Yeah, they put and down roots. Does, they put down roots yeah. and they put down deep roots. They build relationships. You know, when I go some places, 
I see powerful miracles, powerful outpourings of God's presence and signs and wonders. And I meet some lovely people that I feel connected to for eternity. Hmm. But when I leave, sometimes I feel sad because I know that I don't know. I know that I don't know when I'm going to see them again. Hmm. It might be next year. It could be five years. It could be 10 years. It could be never. But a pastor, God sends them people to shepherd. The Bible says, I'll give you shepherds or pastors after my own heart. So one of the great graces of a pastor is having the heart of God to watch over the flock, to watch over the people. And, you know, that takes a special grace. One of the things that it takes is called patience. Because you're dealing with people from all different backgrounds, all different ethnic groups, all different beliefs, all different types of trauma, all different types of upbringings, yeah. all different types of understandings or misunderstandings about the word of God, all different types of personality traits. From the good apples to some bad apples to a few rotten apples to some really great apples, you get a mixture of it. And it really takes patience and a certain level of maturity to be, be able to deal with navigating with those personalities. Absolutely. So one of the graces that I look for with a pastor is really to have patience with people. Hmm. Now, prophets are sometimes known <laughs> to not have as much patience. They're more direct and to the point. Hmm. Not all prophets, but oftentimes you ask a pastor a question, they're going to answer it in a roundabout way where there's a lot of mercy, there's a lot of grace, they're going to point you to scripture. We also call that bedside word. manner. Yes. Yeah. You ask the prophet, they may just stop and say, the Lord says, no, that's not it. Don't go in that direction. And then they yeah. change the conversation. There's nothing yeah. more to talk about. Uh -huh. and, and your feelings <laughs> might get hurt, but you have to understand who you're dealing with. They're not trying to be rude. They're not trying to be abrasive. That's just who they are. Now the Bible mm -hmm. does talk about speaking the truth in love. So I'm sure. not getting I'm not giving anyone legality to be, you know, mean and, and cold hearted. I'm just saying that you can speak the truth in love, but sometimes it comes across very direct when it's a, sure. a prophet versus a pastor. Sometimes they may cuddle people a little bit more than the prophet. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so I've seen it where the husband was the pastor many times and the wife was the prophet. And so people knew. <laughs> depending on how much truth they wanted and how they wanted to hear it, who to go to. Yeah. <laughs> so, so they may go to one mm. when they want a softer landing and go to the other when they know they really need a, a strong word. Sure. And so, but that's why those gifts work together. Um, mm. Another thing that I, I really see as a grace that the pastors walk in is the spirit of counsel. The Bible talks about Isaiah 11, 11 for Jesus Christ the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord. And one of those seven dimensions of the Holy Spirit that pastors walk in in a measure is the spirit of counsel mm -hmm. is because they have to help people find their purpose, walk in their destiny and navigate through being, you know, parents, navigate through being husbands and wives, navigate through being, you know, work workplace is so many areas that pastors help people in that pertain to their holistic being and their holistic life. 
And so I remember this. I remember many times a meeting with a pastor in their office and walks in one of the members or two of the members and they tell the pastor a situation that they have going on in their life, a dilemma, maybe something chaotic. And I remember sitting there thinking, now, how is he going to answer that? How is she going to answer that? Yeah. And I'm thinking on the inside, what would I say to that? And let's see if the, I think I think the pastor is going to be baffled. And you know what? <laughs> they would give an answer that would be just so practical, but so clear, so relevant and so good. Mm-hmm. And I said, that is the anointing of the Holy Spirit. That is the spirit of counsel. Hmm. That's on the pastor. I was watching a televangelist, a televangelist years ago. I want to say, no, I'm not going to say his name. Well, it doesn't matter. Uh, it's, it's nothing bad about him. And I say anything derogatory. But yeah. so years ago, I forgot what channel he used to come on. His name was Arnold Mary Shepherd's Chapel. Huh. Do you remember him? Uh-uh. I Arnold Mary was a Bible teacher, strong Bible teacher. And older gentleman, I mean, I was maybe in my teens, so he had to be in his mid-70s back then. So I'm I'm not sure if he's still alive. But he used to come on television. And what he would do, he would have a stack of letters. He would open the letters, read the questions, and answer them. And that was different for televangelists. Yeah. He would teach a little bit, but he would always read letters and answer them. One person wrote into his show and, and said, I'm an alcoholic. When I wake up, I have to have liquor. When I go to bed, I have to have liquor. Before I go to work, I have to have liquor. Wow. Yeah. What should I do? How can you help me? I remember Arnold Murray looked at that letter. He's put it down and he leaned back. He sighed and he said, brother, I've never been an alcoholic. I I don't know what to tell you. He said, I I can tell you to pray, but I think you need to go through a 12-step program. And and I'm going to be honest, Jeff, I laughed and laughed as a teen. I laughed because <laughs> I said, that's not a good answer. I no. mean, <laughs> he no. could have gave him something way more than that. But that stuck with me. Yeah. That teaching the word of God, he was good in what he was called to teach. Sure. In the areas he was called to teach. But that pastoral grace would have if if it was there if it was a, a, a true called pastor would have stepped in and counseled that person gave them some direction gave them some comfort built them up encouraged them and, and helped them you know they may have recommended a 12-step program but they would have shepherded them to some degree and gave sure. the spirit of counsel yeah and so uh that's a gift that pastors are really good at is mm-hmm. giving counsel and that's why people love to meet with pastors that's also one of the downsides maybe of being a pastor is People want to have counseling sessions and you have to, that's good, Lord. You have to, as a pastor, even though you have a spirit of counsel and anointing that comes with that mantle, you have to be cautious that people don't pull too much on that. Oh yeah. And they're just telling you their problems and they're not spending time themselves seeking God in the word and prayer. Yeah, that's, that's huge. And that's one of the pitfalls I often see with the pastoral office is because they're so good at pastoring people. They have to, even the prophets, they have to be careful that they don't step in the place of God and give people quick answers all the time. Mm. There's a place where you have to point people back to God and say, you, you read, you study, you pray. 
Now, I was never a pastor, but I pastored a church. So I was never in the office of a pastor. I was a prophet that pastored a church, oversaw a church. And yeah. for how said, long? No. A couple of years? Long. Yeah, long. No, long. Joke. Three, four years, three and a half, four years. Yeah. It wasn't too long. It was a blessing. It was a great blessing. Great people. Yeah. But there's and, a measure of authority you can speak to having functioned at least in the, the seat of a pastor. There's a lot you yes. can speak to. Thanks for listening. The Elijah Fire podcast is made possible by donations like yours. To become a partner, visit ElijahFire.com slash give. Yes. Yes. I mean, without that experience, I mean, it was a wonderful experience for what I'm doing now, working with leaders. And But I, I remember that. Someone asked me, said, don't the people call you all the time for prayer or call you for help? I said, not really. I, I, I don't hear from them a whole lot outside of church unless they're calling just to check in or say hello. And they said, well, well why is that? Not? I said, because I, I teach them how to pray. I teach mm. them how to hear from God. I teach them how to, you know, open up the Bible and study. And, you know, I teach them, you know, you need to increase your prayer time for yourself. And yeah. And and sadly. Sometimes. Pastors have to be careful. And this is going to go into your, your question as well. Mm-hmm. Pastors need to be very secure in what God called them to do. Because some pastors want to keep people dependent upon them to the degree that they, they don't empower or equip them to be able to be independent enough to make certain decisions or movements on their own. Yeah, that's huge. I was just thinking about that. Yeah. Yes. So... And I'm going to tell another story. I have all of these stories that, that yeah. it's just stories Lord, are awesome. Yes. Yeah. Lord, Lord, allow me to experience this. I had a, another gentleman. Now I won't say his name. He was an older bishop. I'm in my twenties. He's in his early seventies. And just because I was a very mature person, a believer, he just liked me hanging around him. Mm-hmm. You know, he would run stuff by me, sounding bored, helping with stuff. And one time he told me, he said, the people, the attendance is down. So this is what I'm going to do. We have Sunday morning service. We're going to come back and have Sunday evening service. The people can rest on Monday. I'm going to bring them back on Tuesday. We're going to do Tuesday something. We'll do Wednesday night Bible study. Thursday, they can have Thursday. They're going to come back and have a special service on Friday. Wow. Saturday, they can pay their bills, go grocery shopping, this and that. And he said, because we have to get them more engaged, more, you know, uh, attendance is up, more plugged into the church. And then he stopped and said, what do you think about that? And I said, well, if they got Friday night and Sunday night and Wednesday that they're getting the word, when do they have time to apply the word, word out in the real word, world or study it for themselves? Right, yeah. And he got quiet. Yeah. I think it convicted him. And he said, you're right. But in his heart, it was an insecurity that he was going to lose the people. So he, sure. he began to come up with something to keep them. Well, I mean, like it's like maybe that's like beneficial, but at the same time, too, we're talking about biting off more than you can chew yikes you know that sounds like a recipe for burnout so yes 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 recipe for burnout um so i think all of the offices have to have their own level of security sure you know because there are some people or circles that if you don't have a brick and mortar building they feel that you're not equal or you're not as qualified or x y and z um you know billy graham didn't have a building but look what all they, I love Mr. Right. Billy Graham. Yeah. You know, or some people feel if your ministry doesn't fit this mode or model. So for the pastors, they need to be secure that 
they're not your people, they're God's people. And if you're faithful with whoever you have, God will send you more people to be a blessing to them and them to be a blessing to you. And so I think it's a level of faithfulness that comes with the pastor's office that's, I don't want to say greater than all other offices, but different because they have to clock in nine to five almost right. every day. <laughs> yeah. You know, and some pastors, you know, one pastor I know, he's, I mean, he really has a pastor's heart, pastor's grace, pastor's anointing, pastor Tim Lambert, uh, Christian Embassy in Virginia. But uh, he shared how he was a mechanic, not a professional one. He just knew how to work on cars. When he first started pastoring, every Saturday, he's fixing men, members' cars. We're under the hood, working on cars. And the Lord spoke to him and said, did I call you as their mechanic or their pastor? <laughs> and, <laughs> and these tools and, down, God, as you were. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but but it was the pastor's heart. That was his yeah. heart. Like, I have to get, you know, I have to get my people functioning. I have to get their cars working. And he has the true heart of a pastor. But the Lord had to give him even balance with that, that there still has to be some boundaries because, you know, you're the pastor, but you're not the mechanic. And so mm. uh, one of the challenges too with pastors is that setting boundaries that people do look to God and the balance that God wants them to look to him versus coming yeah, to the see, pastor. That's, that's huge because when you said that earlier, I all of a sudden drew all these, connected all these dots of realizing, you know, when you have these pastors and they, uh, you know, too much is put on them or they take too much on and there's a lack of healthy recognition of, hey, there are going to be some things you're going to have to say no to. You can't just assume that everything is, but then also there's, you know, there's a lot more that I think pastors have to shoulder. Cause I mean, if you're having people coming and seeking counsel, you're going to hear some pretty horrifying things that people have gone through and that, that there has to be some measure of grace there, supernatural grace there to be able to shoulder that stuff and be able to like, not take it all on. And, um, but I can see how there's, if, if the, if there's an unhealthy position that a pastor is operating from to where say they, they still want everyone, maybe it's a point of insecurity, let's say of, yes. of feeling like maybe you're losing your relevance. If you don't have the same people coming back to you when really you want that, because that actually just opens you up to allow new people to come seek counsel from you and to, 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 Grow. you know pastor them and, and, uh, you know, usher them on their way as they can, they learn how to fly on their own again. And, uh, but I can see how that's, that's, that imbalance of, of, of that whole process has opened up the door for Satan to come in and really like almost create this kind of hero worship kind of thing, even amongst like a pastor where like, they're then looking for praise I can see it. And, and maybe, honestly, yes. maybe that's, that's for all, all the offices, like in some fashion or another. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I can see the dangers of a pastoral role, not being in proper alignment in that way of not pastoring your flock on how to hear God for themselves and, and all that. Yes. So. And, you know, I have a lot of friends that are pastors and the ones that, are not as stressed out and burnt out. They've empowered their people to be able to make sound decisions, be able mm. to apply the word of God, yeah, and be able huge. to function 
You know, I, I have one friend, he takes quite a few breaks. Interesting. <laughs> he takes quite a few trips, him and his wife. And he said, you know, my people, they're top notch. They're on top of it. They know what to do. They know how to move. They know, you know, something there, you know, he, but they've taken time to teach them the word of God. Sure. They've taken time to empower them. They've taken time to equip them. They've taken time to mature them. And so, you know what? The fruit of that is they're not as stressed out by those people because they've matured the people that they can do so much on their own by the spirit of God. Yeah, Whereas yeah. if you if you intentionally create an overdependence upon you, that's going to lead to burnout. It's not sustainable no. as far as growth. Yeah. But sometimes, especially with any of the ministry gifts, but especially a pastor, if you have insecurity of rejection or feeling, you know, a need to be needed, that's going to backfire on you, especially when people walk away. Mm. Now, this is another challenge of being a pastor. This is a big one. The evangelist, the prophet, the apostle, the teacher are more insulated from this. It still happens, but a little bit more insulated is people abandoning the pastor. Mm. In betrayal. I don't know any pastor that's been pastoring longer than two years that hasn't dealt with some level of betrayal. I don't know any pastor that's been pastoring that hasn't dealt with abandonment, meaning they'll have an elder, they have a minister, they'll have an intercessor, someone that's in their circle, that's faithful, that's loyal, that's gung-ho, and then suddenly that person disappears, that person abandons the ministry, hmm. Sometimes they do it the right way. Sometimes they do it the wrong way. You know, a, a, most pastors have had people that just were on their ministry team or on their ministry leadership. They just disappear, stop coming, stop communicating. Or they've had it where the very people that they prayed for every week and ministered to and paid their bills and gave them a Thanksgiving turkey became the main enemy of the ministry. It mm. happens. And that really takes a toll on some people. Absolutely. If you're not in it for the right reasons and if you're not graced to do it, that can really be heartbreaking. But the Bible says this, the servant is not greater than the master. Jesus dealt with betrayal through Judas. He dealt with abandonment through his disciples when he was, you know, his time of persecution. We're not greater than him. It's our honor. It's an honor and privilege to endure some of the same things that the Lord dealt with. It doesn't feel, but that doesn't mean that it feels good. Sure. You know, I don't think nobody's going to be nailed on the cross and say, it's an honor and privilege, Lord, and this feels good. No, it's an <laughs> honor and privilege, but it doesn't feel good. <laughs> right. Yeah. Now, yeah. there's there's a weight of glory and there's a weight of, uh, of intimacy with the Lord that you gain through suffering. But in sure. the midst of it, it's still suffering. It doesn't. Absolutely. Good. Suffering it's is suffering. suffering. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'll oh, go ahead. I'll say this one thing and then I'll, I'll let you go ahead and jump in. Yeah. Um, a pastor one time, very gracious man of God up in Ohio. He said that he was counseling a couple. They were going through divorce and they said, pastor, you've never been divorced. You don't know how it feels. He said, hold on, hold on. I've been pastoring 30 plus years. I've been divorced more times than you guys. He said, look how many people have divorced themselves from the ministry. Have wow, the ministry. Yeah you know, have, have turned their backs on me and I'm still keeping my heart pure and heart guarded and all of those type of things and walking in love. And so pastors, they have to, it's a heart ministry. It's, a, it's about a heart for the people. And that's the area that the enemy tries to attack the pastor 
mm-hmm. is in wounding their hearts. Well, so okay. We need to pray for pastors. Yeah. Yes. So I, I want to talk about that. Actually, brought up something else, but I want to address something else in a second. But do you feel like because of the nature of people who are more pastoral and they function in that office, bearing the burdens of other people, if you're not care, it just seems like I see a lot of I've seen a lot of pastors find themselves in affairs. Either it's emotional or it's an actual like physical affair. And is that a lot of that, if you're that, it just seems like that's why you need to be so vigilant as a pastor to know what you're supposed to take on, what you're not supposed to take on. And then also sometimes as a pastor, I would imagine it can be hard. And this is the case in any kind of leadership position where you don't know who to turn to. You don't feel like you can, you can turn to anybody, uh, to bear burdens with you because you're the pastor and everybody treats you like, you know, yes. differently. You get what I'm saying? Yep. Yep. That, that, so that is a great question. And that has a lot of faces to it. Number one, I will say this. So sadly, most of the time when the pastor gets in trouble is normally with the secretary. Hmm. If we were to, if we were to write down 20 pastors that fail, who was it? Normally the secretary is somebody in that mm. position. Anytime you spend that much time with somebody in a close <laughs> position, you know, emotional connections can develop soul ties. So you have to be careful. That's why it's good to get you an ugly secretary. That's going to save you a lot of headaches. <laughs> and no, listen. I mean, hey, no, I get but, it. But, but yeah. don't, I mean, and I don't want to discriminate, but don't get the supermodel secretary. That's going to yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. you can just save the temptation or don't get the bodybuilder. Somebody like me, don't get me as a, a secretary because yeah. the muscles and stuff just. Too yeah. <laughs> and so, but this is an honest story. Jesse yeah. DePlanis. He was interviewing for a secretarial position years ago. And this young lady came in. She was friendly. She was nice. She was very, you know homely like and very you know warm and his wife walked by and rolled her eyes at her and rolled her eyes at him and, and shook her head with attitude and he's like what's wrong with my wife so the wife comes back in um kathy that's her name kathy um his wife comes back in and said i don't like that woman wow she didn't do anything she was nice she was friendly she's capable i don't like that woman but she didn't do anything do you know what happened he brought her back, I think, for the second interview. She tried to get fresh with him. Oh, right out of the gate. How about oh, that? Oh, yeah. Not even hired yet. Not even yeah. on the job. And that he put out well. Yeah. <laughs> yes. No. Oh, no. You know yeah. it's going to be trouble. Yeah. And right. so, uh, anyway, his wife said, told you so. Women have a good detection radar yeah. to pick up on culprits. And so I think for, I'm going to speak for men, for men, one, you know what your weaknesses are. Don't Mm. position weaknesses that whatever your weaknesses are for you around you. Yeah. You know, even Rob Parsley said when he would go into hotels, he would unplug the television because he didn't want to watch anything unclean. He wanted any pornographic stuff coming up. So, you know, you have to know your weaknesses and navigate around them. Number two. It's good to have strong women around you because mm-hmm. they can pick up on Jezebels quicker than you can. You know, yeah. the lady smiling at you. She's nice. She's friendly. Oh, she's praise the Lord. 
a, a woman can pick up on her and say, no, something's not right with this, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and they're good. My wife, if she tells me I don't trust this person, it's about a 95% accuracy, if not higher. I'm yeah. Just going to same with it. my wife. Yeah. Yeah. I don't feel good about this person. You know, if you meet me and meet my wife and my wife likes you, you're, you're really in there. So mm. yeah. <laughs> the, the next thing is, and I'm, I'm speaking primarily for men, it can be for women too. You need other leaders. And this goes into what we talked about in the beginning, that nobody needs to be an island to their self. Yeah. And that's what happens often in the pastoral ministry, especially if you have success. Oh, now I have 500 members. I have a thousand members. I'm doing good. I don't want all the people to look at me like I'm struggling, like I'm weak, like I'm vulnerable. And so you need all the leaders that you can go to and say, look, pray for me. This is what's happening in my life. Yeah, that's good. And I, I want to go back to when I was a teenager, a preteen, and I shared this before, I would go to the library with my grandmother. I grabbed a book off the shelf. I can see exactly where I grabbed it from, at the Rudolph Shalom Library. It was the autobiography of Jimmy Swagger. Okay. And I read his book, and he talked about, now he had a public fall, so we can talk about it. It's all, you know, it's part of our church history. For our time and era. And God still using him greatly, using his son greatly and all those things. But he talked about in the book how as a child he was exposed to pornography. Okay. How that seed was there. How the enemy played upon that seed. How he got into this activity. He didn't get caught the first times. And he went to some, the Lord told him in prayer, the next time that you come under this attack and you're struggling and feel like you're going to give in. Go to these pastors. The Lord told him which pastors get prayer immediately. Hmm. He didn't do that. And then we saw what all happened publicly. But I believe the Lord, even before I really knew I was called to ministry, wanted me to read that book to learn some things that yeah. anyone can have a temptation. Yep. But also anyone can go and get prayer, get help and say, hey, I'm struggling in this area. So you need to have more than accountability, you need to have people that you can trust. Because, you know, I've seen people say, you know, I want to be accountable. Oh, I'm going to tell this story. Okay. Okay. Some people say, well, I want to be accountable. I went and robbed the bank or I went and cheated on my wife. That's good being accountable, but it's better if you could be preemptive with people you can trust and say, this is what I'm thinking about doing. Pray, talk to me, talk me out of it. Okay. This story is going to sound crazy but it's the truth. I had to be 28, 29. Older pastor, early 60s, called me. He said, Edmonds, I need you to pray Edmonds. So, okay, pastor. I'm headed to this lady's house right now, Edmonds. I need you to pray. The lady wasn't his wife. Oh, wow. And, and I'm thinking... If you had enough strength to call me to pray, you have enough strength to not go to her house. Right. But at least he called sure. an actual prayer. And, and, and I don't think he went through with it. Yeah. But we need people we can call out to and that we know that it's not going to go anywhere. They're not going to judge us. They're not going to shame us. I think I've heard so much crazy stuff and crazy stories by now. Oh, I bet. It, you could call me and say something crazy and I'll be like, I'm going to pray for you and probably forget about it the next day. Yeah. Because I mean, after a while, it's just like it's sure. part of our job, uh -huh. and that 
That rolls into the Apostles' Ministry. Help Elijah Fire continue to make an impact around the world. All donations go toward making Elijah Fire and the Elijah Fire podcast possible. Visit ElijahFire.com slash give and become a partner today. The Apostles' Ministry is really one that works with leaders and that has a level of grace and strength to impart to leaders to help them overcome some of these challenges and to help them to be healed and whole. Yeah. You know, we just had a, a an encounter called a Perusia encounter and was that in Lord Bermuda told, or was that in no 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 that, that was Atlanta that was here oh, in okay yeah Bermuda I saw the flyer that it's all blended together for me so sorry <laughs> yes but um at the end the Lord told me to hug certain men that were in ministry and you know what they said they said they felt whole afterwards wow not just heal whole deep deep areas of trauma of rejection God dealt oh, with those things on. and one of the young ladies the night before had a dream and I didn't know this, where the angel of the Lord told her was was pleading, please tell apostle to pray for his spiritual sons and pray for the men. And so I think there's a grace that the apostles have to help pastors finish well. Hmm. And so we all need each other uh, to function together, to work together. But with going back to your question about falling, that, that's some of my points, create boundaries, Know what your weaknesses are, navigate around them, find some strong people, especially women, because women would tell you, especially if you're a man, older women, we used to call them church mothers, spiritual mothers, mm -hmm. they'll tell you, watch out for that person, you know, yeah. or, or, or I'm watching this person. Um, and I'm going to tell you, honestly, I've never in ministry have any woman even approach me inappropriately, not even once. This is very important as well, how you conduct yourself. Yeah, because some people have never had attention. They've never had accolades. And some woman comes along and say, oh, man, you look so nice and you smell so good, Pastor. <laughs> and the pastor, oh, you think so? Oh, wow. My wife don't even tell me that. Ooh, ah, ooh. And then the next see, she's like, OK, you know, yeah. then the next time she said a little bit more. The next uh -huh. time, Pastor, I have some pumpkin pie at the house if you want to stop by. You know, like, and, yeah. you, you cooked it just for me. So. You have to find contentment and wholeness in God. Mm. I'm not even saying in your wife, in God. You yeah. know why my wife trusts me? Because as her friend, before we were married or engaged or dating, we were friends first and then we got engaged. She's never seen me inconsistent. She's never seen me flirty. She's never seen me wavering. She's never seen me inappropriate. And so I have her total trust. And one yeah. day I was talking to her, I said, hey, you know, I met such and such. She said, I said, that's who I was talking. She said, I don't care who you talk to. And I bust out laughing. I said, now what wife said, says that to their husband? You know, yeah. but she don't care because she knows me. And yeah. I was holding God before I was whole with her. You know, she just the icing on the cake. Yeah. But yeah. when you get those type of comments, you have to watch your response mm -hmm. because some people are testing you. And 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 people know as well, the spirits and people know who not to test. So they don't even try some people because they know they're not even open for that type of activity. Yeah. Well, and I, like even when I was in, um, when I was, I, so I worked for Trader Joe's before I worked for the Elijah List. And so you're around a lot of people and they hire, I'm a friendly guy and you, you know, they hire friendly types of people at Trader Joe's. And, and there were people that I would actually, even though, a lot of my coworkers weren't Christians. I would tell them about someone 
and say, I don't want, please let me know when they come in. Cause I want to run in the back. They make me uncomfortable. <laughs> so I would actually like set up non-Christians as accountability, even though like they, you know, some of them might not even found anything wrong with it. And I would kind of play it up extra so that they would find it amusing so they could tell me and see me <laughs> run away. Like I did all this on purpose to set yes. up. Uh, Cause I'm like, Hey, I'm going to use this to my advantage. I'm close with my coworkers. Some of them aren't Christians and some of them are probably, I don't know, done stuff that is not great in the eyes of God, obviously, but I'm going to, I'm going to set this up in a way that it's just, I play up everything very extreme so that they're more So it's like, you can be creative on how you do it, even wow. if you're not in a position yet of like ministry where you've got a close group of people that can really be that support for you. So, yeah. And, and I like that. I mean, you were very serious. You know, the Bible talks about you have not resisted sin unto blood. Mm -hmm. You know, Jesus, when yeah. he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed so hard that he would not give in to doubt, to uh, disobedience, that he actually started his, his vessels broken. He started yeah. bleeding. And the Bible says, listen, you haven't resisted to that point. So we need to resist. We need to be intentional yep. about resisting yeah. temptation and falling in sin. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yes. Okay. So let's, let's get into teacher now. Cause I do feel like, do you feel like out of any of the, the offices, do you feel like pastor teacher work the most together or is that kind of interchangeable a little bit? So I had a friend that's went on to heaven. He, he, he came in a meeting one time. He said, it's not the fivefold ministry, it's the fourfold ministry because pastor and teacher are one office. There are some people that believe that they're one office together. And I don't think so, but I think they're the two that more frequently function together. Sure. Because oftentimes a pastor has to function as a teacher and mm -hmm. teach the word of God and train the people and all those things. Right. But they're two, yeah. they're two different offices. Yeah. And um, most of the time what happens, the pastor has a teaching gift. They may not actually certainly be in the office of a teacher, but there are some people that they're pure Bible teachers. I'm going to use Fred Price. And, you know, Steve loves Fred Price. Oh, okay. His ministry's ever increased in faith out in California. He's went on to be with the Lord. And uh, he would come on TV and, you know, he would do. Back then, people used to come on and mostly, especially African-American preachers, more hoop, shout, shout, holler. He would open up the Bible, walk around the Bible in his hand and teach scripture by scripture, line by line. And he said this, that people would call into his ministry, write into his ministry and say, why don't you have a prayer line like the other ministries? Why don't you have a prayer line where people can call and get prayer? He said, well, I was going to do that. And the Lord told me, what did I tell you to do? He said, you told me to teach the word. He said, well, that's what I want you to do. I want you to teach them how to pray so they uh -huh. don't have to call into your prayer line. Wow. So he said, <laughs> he said, I don't care if you're upset. My job is to teach you the word so you can use your own faith. Now, uh -huh. he pastored a church, but he has so many pastors under him. He didn't deal with the day to day pastoral stuff. He really was assigned to teach the word. And so we see some of those individuals that they're really, that's what they're going to do, no matter what the setting is. You can put them in a crusade. You can put them in a Bible study. You can put them on Sunday morning. You can put them in a Coliseum. They're going to teach the word. Joyce Myers, she's going to teach the word. She's a teacher of the word and great at it. And so the teacher, um, there's two words that I want to look at from the Greek with this. Uh, one of them is, uh, I wrote it in, Lamad, 
means to go. To go is like to push someone in a direction. A good teacher helps to direct you through the word of God to get into the will of God through the word of God. And the other word that deals with teacher is Yara means to point out. They point things out in the word that oftentimes we overlook. We didn't understand. We didn't comprehend. I want to use Dr. Miles Moreau. He was a powerful teacher. You know, this message that he had about the kingdom. People talked about the kingdom of God, but no one before him really went in depth hmm. and went to define it and went to give the concept of it and went to give the, I want to say the doctrinal basis for it and, and, and really propagate the message of the kingdom of God. We use the word kingdom of God and kingdom all the time now. And it's become a, a norm, a social norm in church. But before Dr. Miles Monroe pointed that out to us, that that was a central message of Jesus Christ and a central focus of the early apostles, we were more focused on a church mentality okay. than a kingdom mentality. Yeah. So pointing out things in the word of God. Mm. And even though he had he has a church that I've been to down in Bahamas Faith Center, a diplomat center, he, he was most of the time traveling, preaching the word. He had all the people that were doing more, the you know, meeting with people, counseling, those things. So the 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 major grace of a teacher is to teach. Now, anyone can teach, but a teacher has a special grace to excavate deeper, to explain wider, to go into more detail. Some of them have special graces, meaning some people have a special grace to teach the Hebraic and the Messianic. Some people, that's their area. They're always talking about Israel. They're always talking about the Hebrew letters, the seasons, the dates and times. That's not my grace. And one time I was talking to Apostle Chuck Pierce. He was telling me some revelation he had. And I'm, I'm telling you, he lost me for a moment because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was doing my television program and he was telling me something about the, he lost me for a moment. I said, this, but I was like, wow, he's, he's gifted in an area that I'm not gifted in. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's some people, man, I'm just like, whoa, you know, like it's just uh, that, that, like I could read the same scripture, but there is that supernatural anointing to like, and they definitely operate in that office of a teacher where they're like, I just, they're next level, man. I'm just like, how in the world, like, because you and I read the same passage, but you're getting all this like crazy stuff out where I have to read it like 500 times. And then I get, I get something yes. good. Yeah. Yes. It, it's a grace. It's a spirit of revelation that gives them insight into the word. Yeah. You know, one time I was speaking and I called the pastor up and I said, um, before I get up, no, he was a minister, but he was, he's an office of teacher. I said, before I get up, I want you to come and just share about the genealogy of Jesus. And I love to pick with people. I love to mess with people, tease people. I was really teasing him because what minister, you know, on the spot will be able to just get up and teach on the genealogy of Jesus going back from Adam. Yeah, that's and yeah, the, yeah, I was just teasing. He didn't know I was teasing him. He gets up and he's looking around and he's like, he grabs his Bible. He's walking up and I said, no, brother, I'm, I'm teasing. He oh, said, he's well, like going for it. Yes, because he said earlier that week the lord told him to study on the genealogy of jesus no way <laughs> and he, he said he didn't he didn't have all of the revelation but he has started and it, and maybe my prophetic anointing picked up on it 
and I thought I was joking with him, and he really had yeah. something. I've, that but, happens to me a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So, but he was he was prepared to teach. That takes a teaching anointing. No, for real. Yeah. You know? That's <laughs> and huge. so the, you know, the thing about the teacher it talks about is like that that pinky finger that can get in the ear, get into the deep places. But teachers help to build people with the mm -hmm. word. The pastor shepherds them, counsels them, and yes, the pastor does teach, but a real teacher, they're not so much concerned with counseling you, giving you direction. They're concerned with what does the word have to say? What is the foundation of the word? And we need, so prophets and teachers are foundational as well. At Antioch, it says there were certain prophets and teachers. It names them. Barnabas, Saul, uh, Manahem, Philip, different ones and names. And I believe even before the apostolic was released there, because Saul, who became Paul, and Barnabas were set apart as apostles, first was prophets and teachers, because the prophets represent the wind of the spirit, the moving of the spirit, the spontaneity of the spirit. But the teachers represent the word, hmm. the rhema, the logos, the, the hmm. taught word, the doctrine. And when you have sometimes people that's just super prophetic and string prophetic, I'm sure you've seen that sometimes they can get a little bit out there off course. They yeah. need to be grounded in the word. Yeah. But then sometimes people are so word sticklers, they miss the spirit of the matter and they become pharisaical. Because mm -hmm. the Pharisees, I think the Pharisees with Old Testament scripture, Torah, Pentateuch, could whip most of our behinds. I mean, it was part of their, when they went to school, when they went to the bathroom, yeah. when they went to the, it was part of everything they did. Yeah, lived and breathed it, man. But yeah. they didn't have the spirit of revelation. Yeah. So they totally missed God when Jesus showed up and John the Baptist showed yeah. up. And totally, the things that they studied their entire life had no revelation on it. Hmm. So sometimes the teachers can become legalistic and rigid and they need that prophetic anointing to help bringing the wind of the spirit. Yeah. It, it's a good reminder, both. I always, I, I always use this analogy. Like when I'm talking to people, like you have anchors and you've got kites, you know, and so you've got, but they need to be attached to each other that the anchors reminded of what is capable within the, the spirit of God. But this, the person who's up here, you know, is tethered to something that's solid and that's the word, right? So uh, I, there are some people that function very much as kites and then people who function very much like anchors and it should be a healthy relationship, but sometimes people go snip and cut the kite off. And then the <laughs> kite person's like, we, and before they know it, they're like getting into weird stuff that, uh, you know, isn't really backed by scripture, you know? So, yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So. So the teaching ministry, especially for new converts, new believers, is very important. And I, I think the teaching office really deals with discipleship. I think that's as a great grace upon the teaching office to disciple people. Hmm. And pastors, if they can recognize this gift, mobilize this gift, empower this gift, they will have great growth. Because many times the pastor is trying to be the marriage counselor. The preacher. Everything to everyone. That, yes, the discipler. And there are some people, they're burning with the word. They're full of the word. And they're waiting, waiting for somebody 
that needs to be taught, somebody that has questions, somebody that's looking for answers, somebody that's studying their word but don't have the understanding to connect with, that they can disciple them. And so I think in many churches or groups or fellowships, we've moved away from discipleship and just focus more on church membership. Hmm. And so I think the teaching office, when it's fully utilized, we get the fullness of discipleship returning back into um, ministry, into yeah. the kingdom. Yeah. So, DeMonte, I have a question in regards to the whole of the fivefold ministry, the fivefold church. Um, is it possible to have like a true f- uh, fivefold church functioning within like even a building or is it more fivefold church as in like we're the church all of us are the church um i mean i would imagine it is possible um i'm curious to see if you've seen any churches that do function that way where they do have like designated prophets but there's you know obviously still a pastor maybe a pastor teacher uh you know and you've got evangelists and and then apostles that Obviously, apostles more mobile, like you were talking about. But I'm just curious if you've seen that. Um, if yeah, yes. So I've seen it many times. Yes, I've seen all of the ministry gifts functioning within the church, and they identified who was who and what was what, mm-hmm. and people understood their role and their function. Yeah. But I've also seen it where you know, one time I was at a church, and the pastor was there, and the pastor was praying about spiritual leadership. There was an old man on the front row that had been in ministry many years. And the Lord spoke to me and said, that's their apostle there on the front row. He never used that a title. He never was identified as that, but he was an apostle. And he was the apostle really that was supposed to be for their church, not as the pastor in the pulpit, but as the spiritual father. And so I've seen different degrees of it. And I really feel that if you're a church and you have a pastor, and you don't have a local apostle, you need to be connected apostolically, aligned apostolically somewhere, somehow. Uh, even if the individual group is not using that title, there needs to be an apostolic anointing. Because what happens, the church can tend to become a lone ranger, isolated, alienated. And I believe also that there are apostles with different metrons or spheres of influence and authority, regional apostles, national apostles, international apostles. You know, some apostles are apostles to their fellowship, their denomination, their group. Some apostles are more so apostles to a region, a territory, um, and some apostles to a nation. And so we have to identify also for the prophets. We have to identify who's who and what's what. And when everybody's in a position and we relate to them properly, we can reap the biggest harvest. And not only reap the biggest harvest, we can sustain the biggest harvest. Yeah. Yeah. So what you're talking about just over the the past, you know, four episodes, you're really, you know, if you want to talk about the different, like the seven mountains of society, this, you're, you're really describing, obviously there's going to be people, people like you talked about who have a grace for something. Maybe they're not specifically called to the office of a prophet or an apostle or whatever, but they might have a grace for that in some fashion or another. But what you're describing largely is is how the mountain of religion should function, correct? Or the the, the church mountain. Yes, yes, because God set up governments. Mm-hmm. And so in each government, you have different layers. You have yep. the federal government, you have mm-hmm. the 
state government, you have the local government. Mm -hmm. And the state government doesn't work if the local governments fall apart because they support yeah. the state. And then the state in turn supports the local and the federal supports the state who supports the local. So they all function and flow down and up. It's an up yeah. and down type of Jacob Ladder situation. Like what you're hearing? Help us continue to make Elijah Fire and the Elijah Fire podcast possible. To get behind this ministry, visit ElijahFire.com slash give. Now back to the show. Um, and what happens sometimes, we become, so my perspective, being an apostle that doesn't pastor a local church anymore, I get to see more of the big picture. Sure. So when I talk to certain leaders of pastors, they're focused on their assignment, their church, and they may not see the bigger picture of their region, their territory, or the body of Christ. And so one of the great things the Lord's given me is the ability to connect and network people based on what they're called to do or how they're called to function. But sometimes when you're just in this box and that's the only thing you deal with is this box, that's all you see and all that you care about and all that you worry about. And you don't get to get plugged into a bigger vision, which may actually enlarge your own assignment because oftentimes what happens is there are people that sitting in your pews that's supposed to help conquer these other seven mountains or six mountains. And because you only have a local vision, sometimes those people are not mobilized. And if you become part of something bigger, it actually helps your people to get mobilized into something bigger to yeah. move out into those mountains. Yeah. To see things a little bit bigger for sure. Yeah. Yes. All right. So one last thing I want to talk about, and then we'll, uh, we'll end this thing is I was thinking about this while you were talking mainly about the pastor, but I kind of want to bring up the issue of church hurt really quick, which is very big, especially amongst millennials where it's like, I got hurt by this leader. Ergo, I'm an atheist now, you know? I have a revelation. And, yes. Yeah. And so I, I really feel like there is this, you know, especially if we look at the pastor, right. Or any kind of leader, you know, in any function within the church, you look at leaders and I don't know, I, I look at them and I go, this person, because they're a human and they are in the process of sanctification, just like I'm in the process of sanctification, there's a good chance they're going to let me down in some way as we're all working towards moving to become more and more Christ-like. Therefore, my hope is in Christ in, and what he did on the cross, not in this man or woman that I'm also submitted to their leadership. Okay. Some people have a hard time doing that. And I can understand if there's a lot of, some of its wounds, right. From, from, you know, childhood or something. And then they have put all their eggs in the basket with this person is going to, they're going to, and we do it in relationships too, where you go, this man, yeah. or this woman is going to be everything I need them to be. No, they are not. They're not <laughs> going to. And you're going to run into issues with that type of mentality. And the same goes for putting a, a leader on a pedestal, right? Acknowledge the pain. And I'm not dismissing pain that people have that needs to be resolved. But so I would love to hear your thoughts on the whole church hurt thing. So the Lord told me this last year. That if you look, he said, if you look at most of the people that have quote unquote church hurt, most of them have unresolved family issues. Yeah. That what it is, there's something that has triggered an unhealed, unresolved wound. Mm -hmm. 
that's already there. And when he spoke that to me, he showed me three individuals from when I pastored who had issues with X, Y, or Z mm -hmm. that were petty to me, but to them it was a big issue. But it was unresolved issues from their own life before gotcha. the church. Gotcha. So firstly, people come into the church and they expect the church to be perfect, even though they're not perfect. Number two, God never called the church or in us and leaders. He's called the word perfect in the Bible doesn't mean perfect like 100 percent score. It means teleosis, mature, matured, you know, in the image of Christ. Mm -hmm. None of us are going to be blameless like the Lord himself. Yeah. But even with the Lord, who knew no sin, who did everything perfectly, people still found fault with him, yeah. even his own siblings. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So you're, I don't care how good you are, you're never going to be able to convince everyone <laughs> yeah. that you're that gal, you're that gal. Yeah. Um, the next part is, we do have to look to God, and you have to expect that leaders are going to disappoint you at some point. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes often we have an expectancy from on leaders that God never placed upon them. Yep. And many times we give them a space in our hearts or in our mind that was reserved for God. I had this conversation mm -hmm. recently with a leader. I was sharing about an older friend. I said how the Lord gave me this word for him. This man 30 years older than me. And the Lord was telling me how he gave too much space to his bishop. Now, this is a gentleman that's been in ministry 30 some years. And the Lord was telling me how he gave a space to his bishop that was reserved for him. And right before I could give him this word, it was a little awkward. He stopped me and said, you know what? The Lord's been dealing with me that I put too much emphasis upon him and giving him too. And the Lord had just spoke to him while we were on the phone. Wow. And when I said this, the pastor I was talking to said, you know what? I did the same exact thing when my pastor died. My, and this is a pastor too. He said, when my bishop died, it's like I lost my identity. It's like I just was floundering for a few months. And mm. I say, you know, our identity has to be in Christ. And so sometimes we give people a place that's reserved for God and God will allow them to disappoint us so that he can be rightfully restored on his throne. Yeah. And if we look too much to people, we're going to see what people have done and miss what God is doing. Mm -hmm. And I always say this, no matter who falls or fail, I'm sticking with Jesus. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yeah, I think that's great. I think that's great. Um, it's always something I like to bring up every now and then because it is, it's a topic that's very prevalent right now, you know, where people are like, I got hurt. I, you know, church is this and that, and I'm, and now I'm in a deconstruction and I'm doing all this mumbo jumbo, you know, <laughs> mumbo jumbo. Yeah. Yeah. Mumbo jumbo. Yeah. Mumbo -jumbo, -jumbo. Yeah. So, I have some other I, words for it. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, okay. Well, DeMonte, I mean, if there's anything else you want to hit on really quick by all means, but, um, I just wanted to thank you so much for your, uh, just taking the time to, to do this series with us. I really enjoyed it. Um, I'm very passionate about what God is doing within the church and realigning things and re bringing certain, uh, offices back into the fold of some churches. Cause there's some people that like they're experiencing stuff that their church was like, no, we don't do that here. And all of a sudden they're like, God's just boom, he's taking them places. And so I just want to, and, and we have a lot of new Christians and I really want to, it was just a great series to really kind of start out on the right foot. Um, 
And so, yeah, I just want to thank you so much and just honor you and everything you're doing. Uh, man, you're, you're great. Thank you. Thank you to you, yeah. Illumination and the team yeah. and Mike and everyone. And thank you for the opportunity to be able to share and have Absolutely. some laugh with you and discuss these. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So DeMonte, um, I'm going to have you pray. And then I want you to talk about some of your books and, and, uh, uh, all that other stuff, all that other good stuff. Okay. Well, right. Father, we thank you today for the spirit of understanding, the spirit of revelation. We pray that clarity would be in place and anything that was not clear, make it clear even as they talk mm -hmm. to you and open up their word tonight in Jesus' mighty name. Yes. And you mentioned books. I got them on the wall behind me, but I can grab. This is a really good book about discernment. It's called yes, Discerning a Spirit. Great book. Seven Dimensions of Revelation. It's an easy read, um, practical read, but it's really activated and stirred up a lot of people to understand about the gift of discerning the spirits. It's more than just discerning demonic spirits. There's a whole lot more. This is my first book I wrote, which is Grab Hold of Your Miracle, 10 Keys to Experiencing Supernatural Miracles. Very practical as well. Whether you're a new believer or a seasoned believer, you can apply any of these principles and see the miraculous we walk in signs, wonders, miracles, supernatural, not just in meetings, but in our life. And this will tell you some of the how. Then I have another book that's not here with me called, it's right here, The Supernatural Gift of Faith. That's going to help skyrocket your faith into another level, into a supernatural level. The Lord took me up to heaven and I met with the Lord Jesus for like, or he met with me for like an hour and uh, some change. He talked about me, talked to me about the coming revival and about the supernatural gift of faith and some other things. So. That's in that book, and oh, it's a yeah. great read as well, and it'll help skyrocket your faith. Awesome. DeMonte, seriously, thank you so much, man. Um, thank you. Obviously, links to your social media and your YouTube are in the description, so everybody go give him a follow if you haven't already because he's thank fantastic. You. So thank you so much, man. Thank you so much. Have a blessed Yeah. Uh, everybody, that is our show. Have an amazing day. Um, it just feels good to get another series under our belt. Uh, and it's just, these are great, great, great resources for you guys. Um, everybody have a blessed day. There's also in a, a uh, link at the end, elijahfriar.com slash donate. All that goes to keep this free and accessible to you guys. And then also we're taking that and we're putting those efforts towards the wells. We're gonna be digging even more wells next year. We're gonna be hopefully start doing some stuff stateside with first nations people and it's gonna be amazing so god bless you guys see you wednesday this has been elijah fire thanks for listening for more episodes like this you can check out the elijah fire podcast on elijahfire.com on apple spotify or wherever you get your podcasts you can watch us live every weekday at 2 p.m pacific time on youtube rumble twitch and facebook Elijah Fire is presented by Elijah Streams and is part of Elijah List Ministries. Go to ElijahFire.com slash give for more info on how you can donate today.